Philly, you are so wonderful and interesting. You deserve a local news podcast all your own. Check out the John Cast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio in depth. I'm Matt Leon. The Delaware Valley is full of incredibly interesting historic sites to visit. Of course, we're very familiar with Independence Hall, the Liberty Bell, but past the sites everyone knows about, there are plenty of fascinating places you likely are not familiar with, like a 44-room castle that can be found in Doylestown. We wanted to learn more about Font Hill Castle, so we caught up with Christian Merja. He is the Assistant Manager of Education for the Bucks County Historical Society. So to start, just kind of give us a little bit of the origin story of Font Hill Castle. How old is it and who built it? Yeah, so Font Hill Castle is the home and first ever concrete structure built by a guy named Henry Chapman Mercer. So Henry Mercer was born in Doylestown in 1856, and he lived in Doylestown his entire life until he passed away at the age of 73 in 1930. And throughout his life, Henry Mercer was a lot of different things. He was a historian, an artist, a tile maker, a collector, an archaeologist, and Font Hill Castle was his masterpiece of a home. Um, this was constructed between 1908 and 1912, and it is entirely hand-poured and hand-mixed concrete. And in doing so, Henry Mercer and a team of eight to ten unskilled day laborers, as he called them, as well as the all-important workhorse named Lucy, uh, were the only crew that constructed the 44-room home uh, that resides in Doylestown. What was the was the goal to build an enormous castle? Was it to be? Was it the idea always to be a showcase? Like, kind of, what was the the impetus for for building it, or did he just want a big place? Yeah. So Mercer was, of course, uh, a founding member of the Bucks County Historical Society, and in doing so, he was beginning as collecting in 1897 with pre-industrial age tools and artifacts, the tools that built up a young nation, calling it the tools of the nation maker. And during that time, he also became very interested in pottery and ceramics. In doing so, Henry Mercer took these pottery and the ceramics and started to make tiles, tiles for himself. Um, and then, of course, the 1904 St. Louis World's Fair put him on the map. So Font Hill Castle was not only his home, but it was also his showroom. The Moravian Pottery and Tile Works, now owned and operated by a separate entity, um, that was his business. And he was very popular and a very successful tile maker. When he was a, at a very young age, at 14 years old, he was taken under the wing of his very wealthy aunt, Aunt Elizabeth, and she got him really interested in history and antiquity. So with him going on many travels across Europe, he took a lot of inspiration from Gothic and medieval architecture and mixing that inspiration into his home, as well as turning his home into the showroom that it is, decked out from floor to ceiling with his tiles. That's what Font Hill Castle came to be. In Doylestown circa 
first couple decades of the 1900s. How does Font Hill Castle fit into what Doylestown is about that time? Is it an outlier? Is it, oh my gosh, look at that place? Kind of take us back in time a, a century or so ago. You know, how does Font Hill Castle fill, fit into the, the mosaic of the area? Sure. So like many other Bucks County areas, it was rural. Um, it did have a lot of farms, especially throughout the area. However, Doylestown in itself is the county seat of Bucks County. So you will have a higher influx of wealthy people. You have lawyers and judges, attorneys who reside in Doylestown and work right in the central courthouse. And Mercer was actually going to be a lawyer. That was the family business. He passed the bar exam. He practiced under his uncle, but he took a different route. He did not practice law at all. So with Doylestown, you have that mixture of rural simplicity of being a farming area such as Bucks County, but also the wealthy, uh, extravagant uh, nature of some of the residents and people coming into it. So with Mercer being having that appreciation for the simplicity and the farming equipment, many of which he uh, collected for later his museum, and mix that with his social ability with a lot of people, uh, names such as Henry Ford, Henry DuPont, uh, the Roosevelt's, the Rothschilds. It, it, was a, it was a mixture of a lot of different things. You said 44 rooms earlier. Uh, what is the the breakdown? You know, give us some context for this massive structure. You know, if we walk in, what will we see? So Font Hill Castle does not really have a set floor plan. What Henry Mercer would do is kind of sketch in his construction notebook, which were kind of essentially napkin doodles of what he wanted his crew to do each day. He would construct uh, little models uh, and then piece them all together, not in a set plan, um, but really how he felt his home should be. So in total, you get um, 10 bathrooms, you get five bedrooms. Um, it's roughly six, six and a half, seven floors, but those floors are all woven intricately throughout each other. So you never know which floor you're actually on. The only basis that you have is that originally to the land that Mercer purchased was a fieldstone farmhouse dating to the 1850s, 1860s. When you're in that original fieldstone farmhouse area, which includes the kitchen, uh, a second floor room called the gallery, and a third floor room, which Mercer converted into his personal breakfast room, is the only sense that you really get on what floor you're actually on. Are there any, is there any inspiration from other types of buildings or other castles or mansions, or is this really, Mercer really made this kind of a one-off where there is nothing, it does not fit into any other kind of mold? I would say it's a mixture of both of those in their own right. You have his Gothic and medieval architecture that he took as inspiration from Europe, um, and in doing so, putting that together into what he wanted into his home, um, but also he wanted to make it entirely unique to himself. Um, and in doing so, we came up with Font Hill Castle. It gets its name, actually, from a spring house that was originally there. Spring 
uh, can translate to fountain or font in Latin. And like any castle, you're going to build it on a vantage point. Uh, the hill that it sits upon uh, slopes down towards the back end of the house. There's the Font Hill Woodlands, which takes up most of the acreage of the property. So Font Hill Castle um, is really just a creation that Mercer made between a whole different mixture of things. You mentioned about the concrete earlier, the, the hand-mixed when you say that, do you mean there was constantly somebody mixing, for lack of a better term, a better giant bowl or giant tub of concrete, and they were taking it out and setting it by hand for every for every block? That's correct, yeah. Uh, Font Hill Castle, again, between 1908 and 1912, as well as his business, the Moravian Pottery and Tile Works, they mixed the concrete by hand. Their concrete was a mixture of cement, uh, water, gravel um, and sand and in doing so they were able to make each room each floor piece by piece and hoisting it with lucy the horse uh, to where they needed to be and the exterior shell the skeleton of the home you could say that took about two years to complete and the interior with all of its intricate designs stairwells columns and then the tile laying took an additional two years to finish. So four years total was all it took for Font Hill Castle. I'm curious, just because, you know, as a little bit of a history buff, when you read about places, a lot of times you'll hear that they were never really finished. And what I mean by that is the person was always changing things or, you know, like Thomas Jefferson famously with Monticello. It was always, you know, was there any of that with this or once they were done? You know, was Mercer happy with what he had produced? Most of it was finished, yes. Um, however, uh, like any home, you're constantly going to be changing things or may, maybe making some renovations. Uh, and Mercer was no different. While the home was technically completed and opened in 1912, uh, there still were additions being made to the home. Um, one good example is a set of tiles in a room called the gallery. Uh, those tiles are called the October tiles. They indicate the harvest time in Pennsylvania. Um, and those were not placed into the home until 1929. So those are actually some of the last tiles that were placed in the house before Mercer passed away in 1930. So even though the house was, quote, done by 1912, it was never fully finished on the interior because Mercer always wanted to change some things around and add new tiles that you can. I think you meant you mentioned eight or nine people plus the horse working on this. Once it's complete and Mercer is living there, is it a large staff that tends to the house? Is he there with families? He there by himself? Kind of, you know, who's there on a day-to-day -day basis once it's open? Yeah. So 44 room house is uh, pretty large and Mercer actually never married and he never had kids. He was the ultimate bachelor his whole life. Now, two other people actually lived in the home with him, and that was Laura Swain, which was his head housekeeper. Her maiden name was Long, Laura Long Swain. She ended up marrying Frank Swain, who was Henry Mercer's personal assistant and manager of the tile works, his business. So those three were the only people who actually permanently lived in the home. Um, now, when Mercer passed away in 1930, he left a very special uh, clause in his will that allowed the two Swains to live there for the rest of their lives. Um, Frank passed away in 55, 
And Laura lived there until the early mid-70s. So she was actually alone for another 20 years uh, running the house as she had. With Mercer during that time uh, of the last uh, 18 years of his life that he spent in Fontville Castle, there were other servants and helpers as well, um, typically ranging anywhere between uh, 5 to 12 workers at a time. Inside the home, there was this one a special side called the Annex. The Annex was mainly used as storage, but also workers' quarters who can uh, get what they need to get done during the day. And then uh, he also had a staff with the tile works at that time too. So any additional tile laying that needed to happen in the home, they would come over from the tile works just 200 yards down the hill, um, very quick to him and uh, finish installing things inside the home. I'm curious when it's built that 1908 to 1912 running water, electricity, those were hit and miss when it came to, you know, for, for houses being built around that time. And, uh, were they built that way? Did it have to be retrofitted to, to upgrade kind of where were they when they put it together with, with regards to that? Yeah. So Fonthill castle is a, essentially a medieval castle with modern amenities, so even when the home was completed by 1912, Mercer had electricity. He had uh, Thomas Edison's carbon filament light bulbs lighting most of the rooms and the hallways. Um, and then he also had running water. There's the natural spring that flows under Font Hill's grounds. There was a pumping station in one of the rooms in the basement, which would pump through brass pipes all the way to cisterns on the seventh floor uh, of the tower, just below the tallest point in the home. And then from there, gravity will just flow that water down to whichever room, bathtub, sink it needed to be. So he had uh, modern things for that time through such a an odd and concrete home. So you mentioned he passes in 1930. The people that had been there working, living in the house, they stay as a married couple uh, until mid seventies, how does this become uh, a place that people can come to visit? Was that always kind of a plan or did it have a period of where it was kind of up in the air before the historical society stepped in kind of, how did it transition from private home to a a place for the public? So it was always uh, originally intended to be a museum. Mercer being a founding member of the Bucks County Historical Society, he then became the president of the Historical Society um, at the time of the construction of Font Hill and the Mercer Museum. Um, And at that time, he was uh, always intending it for it to be a museum. He had uh, the artifacts, the tiles all numbered and labeled so that one day people could always look up what each and every item is. There's an extensive catalog system where those things can be researched and know exactly what they are. So when the Swains um, finally pass away, um, the Bucks County Historical Society fully takes over Font Hill Castle and have turned it into what it is today, operating six days a week, year round, giving tours to the public. How many visitors on average does Font Hill draw, you know, in a month and a year? Roughly uh, a year, we get anywhere between twenty-five and 30,000 visitors. Does that, is it a 
summer, winter? Like, is there a specific time when it's most popular, it seems? Yeah. So typically, um, the summertime is always going to be big. Um, you have people that are taking vacations. All the kids are out of school. Um, so people have a lot more flexibility to come. And uh, that will always be a, a popping time. But also during the wintertime is a lot of fun as well. Um, we operate the Holiday Lights Meander is our special program um, where it, instead of the typical one-hour guided tour that folks are allowed to see, we decorate uh, for the holidays um, with many of the rooms that are on the tour, and it's a meander style. So it's not a set guided tour, but it is a route that people can follow at their own leisure too. I'm curious because I'm sure to people that are interested that come out, it's got to be overwhelming and it's probably easy to miss things just because there's so much. As someone who is so intimate, uh, intimately familiar with the castle, what are some of your favorite places or quirks or areas? You know, what are the, the things that, that you really love about the castle? What I love about the castle is it's so unique in its own right. You never really get to see a, a solid concrete building, let alone a, a medieval castle, uh, and get to go inside of it very often. Um, Mercer being the archaeologist that he was, he has so many different collections from around the world, um, a lot of them extremely old. Uh, in one room called the Saloon, he has Babylonian tablets that are over 4,000 years old. Um, they're clay tablets written in cuneiform, which is one of the oldest languages in mankind's history. Uh, he also has pottery from ancient Egypt, uh, the Swiss Lakes region, which is over 10,000 years old, um, and uh, other pottery as well. But also the quirkiness of Fontville Castle, um, you will find, especially in the basement, the foundation's the first thing you're ever going to build in your house. So being the first concrete building that Mercer is really starting, you get to see his trial and error. Uh, there's only one column in the entire home that's built with, instead of wooden plank molds, it's used with barrels. Um, quickly realizing that you have to pry off and destroy each barrel with the concrete, that quickly was thrown out the window of a, a viable option to build a column. So there's only that one column in the entire 44-room home that's made out of barrels. And something like that is is very unique, and it's, it's like a hidden thing that hides in plain sight. I'm curious, was the house appreciated at the time for its uniqueness in, in you know, architecture circles, you know, stuff like that? Was it looked at as something special do we have any context for how it was received and looked at you know kind of in real time there from that 1908 to you know the through the teens and 20s sure so uh, i touched a little earlier on how social mercer was so the main gathering and entertainment space which is called the saloon where those cuneiform tablets are um he would host parties all the time um again families like dupont rothschild roosevelt ford um, his Aunt Elizabeth, who he owed a lot of his start from, she was actually friends with Charles Dickens. Um, so in that crew of people, that those circles, it was thought upon as something unique, something amazing. Um, it had a 
rough start to the Doylestown community at first, especially when it was first uh, open, I should say. The Belvedere Terrace, you're 80 feet off the ground. It's the tallest balcony in the home. Concrete being a fireproof substance, Mercer lit a bonfire at the top of that to signify, hey, I have a house that won't burn down. Uh, well, he forgot to tell anybody that. Um, so everybody, uh, the fire department, they all came thinking a local farm was burning down. Uh, Mercer was like, no, no, this is this is my concrete house. This is uh, not going to burn. And it's my masterpiece, of course. Um, felt a little bad. Uh, he gave the fire department a, a donation, which was nice of him. Um, but uh, it was a rough, rough start to life in that area. But as time went on, people definitely uh, began to appreciate what Mercer did with his house. We talked about how many visitors come through. If people hear this, and I don't see how they can't be interested in coming out and checking it out. Uh, I think you mentioned open six days. Kind of give us the, you know, do we need to order tickets ahead of time? Is it something we can just show up, buy tickets? How often do you tour? What days are you open? Uh, kind of give us all the info we need for a visit. Sure. So we are open Tuesdays through Sundays. Uh, our first tour will go off at 10 a.m. And our final tour will go off at 4 p.m. As they are one-hour guided tours. And they run every 15 minutes. So every 15 minutes, a new tour will be entering the home. At most, you'll have four different tours, different groups going through the house at different areas. So our very experienced tour guides have gotten timing down to AT to know exactly where they need to be. Uh, in order to buy tickets, you can purchase them online at mercermuseum.org. Um, typically, if you would like to come on a weekend, weekends do sell out very quickly. So we would definitely recommend purchasing online or at least calling ahead to reserve a spot. Um, but of course, that does not rule out uh, just showing up to the Font Hill Welcome Center, a smaller building located right next door to it, and purchasing your tickets right at the door of the day of. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In-Depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.